BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Islanders country, hello, this is the Eyes on Isles podcast, powered by the Fansided Sports Network. I am your host, Joe Bono. Follow me on Twitter at IslesFix and subscribe to your only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter. And I'm joined here once again by our full-time recurring guest, not wearing a hat here today, so I get to see his uh, his quaff, very nicely looking hairline, Mr. Andy Francis. How are you, sir? Yeah, I was feeling under the weather, and like I told you last week, that's usually the only time uh, you're not going to be able to see some hairline because you know, you've got to <laughs> you got to flaunt it while you got it. And Lord knows, you know, my days may be numbered eventually. So I, I want to look back. No signs, though. No signs. Want- your, your hairline is the is the Zach Parise of hairlines right now. Yeah, and I'm hoping for a similar type of rejuvenation like he <laughs> has. So. Yeah, hair hair's looking good. Isles are looking good in the standings. It's been a uh, mo- good good week. Couple Great road week. bumps. Great week. Yeah. Four four games, six days, and eight points. And each game kind of had its own little life of its own. A little bit of everything. Yeah, in there. Um, you know, but 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 first, you know, just because we ended up talking about Thanksgiving, so maybe it was just a quick recap of of how uh, Thanksgiving uh, uh, went for you because. When you're my age and you have a couple kids, you you um, you still find a way to eat too much. You're driving way too much, and yet you get no sleep, no relaxation. You don't get to have any conversation with people. You can't drink. It's it's not as you can't wow, watch the that, giant that, game. So it basically devolves into an unenjoyable experience. Is it's what pretty you're unenjoyable. Me? I think I think the age they if you're at an age right now where you're not hosting, you're too young to host. That's still delegated to another member of the family and you have your independence and no one to be responsible for. That is great. You show up, you bring maybe a bottle of wine. That's it. Everyone wants to chit chat with you. You have the most interesting life out of anyone that's there and you eat and you drink on your own terms at your own pace. It's great, but that's a great, that's a perfect introduction for exactly what I did. Yeah. That's exactly what I I knew it was. That's what I did. I got to enjoy every single football game, every single play of them. Nothing was missed at all. The only issue were the self-inflicted wounds where you have Thanksgiving on Thursday. Everybody knows about leftovers on Friday. But now the problem is it's already the weekend. So now you make it this four-day long thing where you can mentally say, well, you know, 
the diet starts on Monday. So now you're a slob for four consecutive four days. days. Mm-hmm. And here I am after that, because I can assure you that's what happens because all, you had that college football Saturday. You had some of those huge games and a full slate on Sunday. It's just been pure debauchery in terms of what I've ingested these last couple of days. But <laughs> if we're getting a couple of Islanders wins along the way, yeah. it's a it's a trade I'm willing and, to make. And you're so right. We had, we hosted some family on Friday, and uh, it was supposed to be just a couple pizzas, you know, for my brother, sister-in-law, their kids, in-laws coming over. Ah, we'll just order a couple pies. My wife goes out to the store. She comes back with apple pie, pecan pie, and like eggnog, like spiced eggnog, that southern eggnog. comfort. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing? Oh, I thought it'd be nice. So now we have all this pie in the house. We got the whipped cream. We got the a la mode with the ice cream. And it's just me and myself in the refrigerator at nine o'clock in between the second and third periods of a, of an Islander game. What else am I going to do? But divulge. I don't know. Definitely not put on the Thanksgiving day parade. One of the most overrated things <laughs> I've ever, I still do not understand the allure of this thing. I, I don't, I just don't, I put it right up there with fireworks. If this was 1927, absolutely. You rarely see things so big. It's so rare. I can put on a VR Oculus helmet and be in Tokyo in three minutes. I can be there virtually. I can be there instantly. And I'm supposed to watch big floats of the Pillsbury Doughboy. Well, forget about watching the big floats on TV, but people go, and I have friends that did it. They go to the city, Upper West Side, in massive crowds to see bluey and spider-man get blown up that's That's... what i'm talking about i'm okay if you just want to have it as background noise you know guys are at the table fine oh i was not i'm talking about those people who trek there to see what a float of goofy come by I, I can't understand. No, I'm not it. even talking about being there as the float goes by. I'm seeing I'm talking about the night before watching the balloons get air put into them. I, I don't even want to I, I don't even That's a thing. I did not even want to learn that that existed. That's a big thing. That's a far cry from what you were doing in the meatpacking district. A good far point. cry. Yes, the night before. Yeah, exactly. Well, those people are already home by the time I was getting out on on Thanksgiving Eve. But yeah, that that is a a very big deal is is going up to the Columbus Circle area and uh, just watching the floats as they get filled up with air in preparation. Well, sounds like a contingent of people I'll never come across in my (laughs) entire life. So how about we? Well, uh, all right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, talk. uh, Let's move on to. are New York Islanders who now have the fourth most points in the NHL, the fourth most wins in the NHL. Uh, We keep on doing these shows after wins, uh, forcing you to be as positive as possible, macro level, micro level, no matter what. And each one of these games over the course of the week had their own different flavors. We were on right after the Toronto game, which is a game they stole, a game they did not deserve to win. They get the turnover, Bailey scores, and like you said, always a bit of luck involved in overtime. They got the luck, Beauvillier with the snipe, and they win that game. Then you go um, into the game the next day. Go ahead. I, I don't when I, when I say luck, I'm just saying overtime as a yeah. whole. For all teams, when you're talking about three-on-three and potential shootout, I'm not saying Beauvillier's shot was lucky. It was a great shot, great play by, I think it was Nelson who laid it off to him. No, I I was just saying the virtue of coming out with two points of every overtime is not, that is more luck. That's kind of what I meant. 
Clarified, understood. Absolutely agree. But you know these people, they're waiting with pitch. They're gonna jump to on you to try to yeah. Francis yeah. says oh, I play luck. prevent defense. Uh, nobody plays better <laughs> prevent defense from me. I know they're looking for things, and I, I've crossed my T's and dotted my lowercase lower case J's. All right, Wayne's World two references. That's right. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I got it. Oh yes, they will come. Um, okay, so the the game against Edmonton. Now this is a game now three nothing, and it felt like they were in complete control the whole game. You never feared because you saw how locked in, dialed in Sorokin was even early. It kind of felt like one of those playoff games where you have the one nothing lead, and you're like nothing is getting by this guy tonight unless there's a crazy deflection, puck off a skate, something like that. They were not going to beat him clean. But you look at the advanced statistics on those games on that game, and it looked like you know the Edmonton Oilers should have should have won that game easily with forty nine shots. But that's not the way it felt when I have ve- never not re- just felt not just felt. I vehemently disagree with that assessment. And normally, I will point sometimes to those advanced metrics and statistics because many times they point to a larger picture. But the game within the game of that one, I want to remove the second half of that game. That's when the game was competitive and the Islanders controlled the majority of the play. I've been telling you the one thing that I really want to see, I want to see them control the play and not hope that Sorokin bails them out and then they score on a two-on-one. You just want to see that your team can impose its will on others. And when that game was a tight game, first period and then through the second half of the second period, they controlled the majority of the play. That is one where I'm not going to let the statistics really get to my head because what happened was the refs started calling penalty after penalty after penalty. And it always seems, I don't know if this is a psychological thing where if a team doesn't score, they'll just keep piling up the power plays. But then if it got to three, two, then they all of a sudden wouldn't call penalties tight anymore. And as long as they kept killing them, they kept giving them to them. And a lot of those stats that at the end of the game you look back at and see 49 shots, it's because when, once that game was no longer of the tight-checking variety, the same way I say, oh, the Islanders have huge third periods, and many times that's because other teams are not pushing guys forwards, and they're playing, speaking of prevent defense, in the NHL versions of prevent defense. It's the same kind of thing when you're up 3 nothing and other teams are raking up power plays. Of course you're going to see the shots go you know, pile up. But the, the the shots in that game, albeit 49 of them, were of a way lower quality and variety than in the game in Columbus, where there was a mere 26 shots. You would think the Islanders controlled the game, but Sorokin had to make point-blank saves. Under two minutes of the first period of that game, they just give up a full breakaway. Then, to their credit, and I know I'm just skipping into the next game, the Islanders controlled the play, and if I truly believe if it wasn't for the phantom five-on-three, the Blue Jackets kind of were ready to, to wave the white flag. They didn't have much fight at all. Then they got those two goals. So now it's a, a tie game, mostly because of the refs, but I'll never blame everything like that on them. Within two minutes, once again, point blank in front of the net, nobody. So that's concerning to me, but then again, I don't think they should have been in that position because the refs kind of put them there. So the Edmonton game and a big chunk of the Columbus game, I was, I was pretty content with the play. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I don't think it's still on that bar of that Carolina game we talked about um, because, you know, the full 60 minute effort. And there were, like you said, the moments of the five on three, 
allowing a team like Columbus that's been playing poorly, that's beat up, that's injured, like you said, on the precipice of waving the white flag at home, uh, being, you know, Islanders get one more, one more goal. And, you know, they probably just kind of skate for 20 minutes in the third period. All of a sudden they're, they're alive. Cannons are going off. And all of a sudden now you're in a dogfight for the third period and Brock Nelson scores a big goal. And then Soroka makes some big saves to hold on to that. And then in the game against Edmonton played a tremendous first 40 minutes, but can you really, it's like, was it a complete 60 minute effort? It was kind of so abnormal with all the penalties. And like you said, the four straight that they had to kill in the third, that it was kind of hard to get a feel to say, well, they owned and dominated the third period because they were just kind of, like you said, playing the hockey version of the prevent defense. Um, but Sorokin, obviously the star in those two games, gets third uh, star of the week. That was announced earlier today. Three wins, 1.32 goals against average, 963 save percentage, 7-2 and two on the month. Um, as the Islanders have won now 10 games in the month of November for just the fourth time in franchise history, and we'll try to make it 11 on, on Tuesday night against the Flyers. So I'll, I'll say this. Sorokin star long, continues to shine. Yes, it's a very long regular season. It's incredibly long, and you have to keep yourself relatively fresh for when the playoffs start. So if you're up 3 nothing going into the third period, and don't tell this to the Rangers after yesterday uh, because they're not going to want to hear this or the Panthers. Against the same the team. Day. Against the same team, though, too. <laughs> if they both, both the Panthers and the Rangers on Saturday blew third period three goal leads at home. And that's not going to make what I'm about to say feel any better or, or look good at all. But I understand there is a certain level of energy conservation that has to happen, especially when you're a veteran laden team. You've seen this with Tampa the last few years. Tampa was, you know, what the fourth seed up in that division or the, the third seed up in the division. But they, they once push came to shove, they wiped those teams out because they didn't overexpend themselves during the regular season. So if the Islanders do have a three, nothing lead at any point, I'm actually not going to get too hard on them. I prefer controlling the first two and mailing it in the third opposed to mailing in the first and second and go nuts to try to come back in the third. And I told somebody this, the, the most entertaining part for you Islander fans to watch games this season, this is an awful thing and a great thing at the same time. The Islanders are the type of team that can go into Carolina and control the game. And then the Islanders are the kind of team that can lose against Arizona and get shut out at home. It's true Forrest Gump box of chocolates. You can get anything. You can be trailing at against Colorado, the cup champs at home, come back. You can be outplayed by Philly, the an AHL roster with their backup goalie for the majority of the game on Saturday. You can get anything. And as far as like guessing and entertainment purposes, it's kind of, it's kind of, fun in a sick way to know like all right what are we getting tonight and but at the end of result more times than not you're getting a win it's what 13 what is it 13 to 17 now that they've yeah. won yeah but you, you don't want to get into bad habits thinking you can um really get away with this this is like blackjack you know you can Listen, have a great I, I run was on with a you i cards. was with you on the getting away with it when you know the wins were piling up and the wins were coming like you said, as the result of these comebacks, this week felt different with the Toronto game as the exception. They, like we talked about, Edmonton, hey, 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 better hey, team hey, for 40 hey. minutes. 
own the game in Columbus like they should have until the five on three power play. And yes, they had a bad second period against the Flyers, but look what they did in the third. So I I, I don't feel the exact same way as maybe I felt two weeks ago. The about, Islanders hey, playing with fire here. The Flyers had the bad teams in though, the third period had about days. 13 shots registered that they were flat that game. And the excuse was second game in two nights, but so did for both Philly. teams. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't just say they controlled Columbus. They were on their heels in the first couple minutes. Then they got the two goals. And yes, there was the, but in a tie game in the third, they come out and give up a couple big chances. Edmonton is the game that they controlled gameplay, yet you see 50 shots up there. So that's what I mean. We go, oh, yeah, well, show me the game they controlled. Yeah, right there. What? They get 50 shots up? Like, you know. It, it always goes back to that Carolina one for me. That's that's what an effort should look like. Multiple line scoring, and you're seeing it from the first to the third. And they bring it out when they play mm. the better teams. But but like I said, it's an 82-game season. It's ramping. The, I think we are seeing a slow ramping towards the better play. And that's what, what I'm still hopeful for, that they're, and they're again, taking again, shape. Especially this lava soft tooling. And this is a soft part of the schedule of Columbus and now back-to-back games with Philadelphia. Regarding of how they were playing, you look at that and you go, you better get five or six out of six points in those three games. And so far, they've gotten all four. Um, I, I don't know. If, did you play hockey? Did you play yeah. hockey? So you played hockey. Yeah. So did you ever have like a back-to-back? Well, the problem is you're, you're young. That's why I would never worry about the Senators <laughs> having back-to-back or New Jersey having back-to-back. Majority of their roster is young. That's a huge factor. So, so I never uh, played. I played baseball. The baseball back-to-backs, even if catching, you know, two, you know, seven-inning games on a Saturday and Sunday. Growing up, a little bit different. Even if I was the catcher, it was okay. I feel like eating Thanksgiving meal, having the leftovers. That is how a back-to-back feels. Like I, I lethargic, trying to trying to ramp up the energy. I think to- it depends. The that's why summon something from down deep. That's why the Flyers didn't look too tired. It's a very simple equation. It's not rocket science. If you're the younger teams are going to be able to do it, no problem. The, I mean, the younger kids they can go out drinking on a Friday night and play the next night. I mean, this is Danny Heatley in his prime and Jeff Carter, Mike <laughs> Richards. They had no problem. Mike Richards could hardly hardly get on the ice by the time he made it to uh, the end of his tenure over there in L.A. It's the younger teams will be able to thrive in those environments. So you just kind of got to hope. On the second half of back-to-backs, you're not playing. No, I hear it. I hear what you're saying. No I was struggling with the non-alcoholic eggnog the night the night after. Yeah, know, we my... you know we we do have guys in our in our 30s uh, in their 30s, and you know you're likely to 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 see a little bit more uh, see more struggling in those games. That was the good thing about trots when you have a, like a, an airtight system. Right, you could rely Anytime on Anytime your team struggles, you have a fail-safe. It's like, all right, you know what? And they had a call. great record, I mean, up till last year, but a great record under Barry Trotz in the second games of back-to-back. Well, it's not a coincidence. Uh, it, was, it was such an outlier across the, compared to the rest of the league of how, how well they played sometimes. Um, you know, and what they did so well those few years was that they never had these long losing streaks, really up until the seven-game losing streak. Uh, right up until the pause, but they would always be able to, oh, they lost this first game of the back-to-back, and what do you do? They would rely back on their structure and usually play a really sound um, defensive game. Let's talk about the third period against the Flyers, which, you know, if they would have won that game 3-2, 4-2, it would have felt nice, but the way it ended with all the extracurricular stuff with uh, the Romanov hit on Hayes, 
Uh, he gets jumped uh, really for no reason. I mean, you watch that, <laughs> watch that clip from every angle. It's as clean as it possibly could. It wasn't even like a Casparitis type hip check that no one does anymore. It was a shoulder to shoulder. He just kind of came in quickly from the angle there and surprised them. And then the Wallstrom, um, you know, bout with uh, Tony D'Angelo that uh, he is not prepared for. D'Angelo comes in, gloves are already off, starts grabbing Wallstrom. He has to kind of absorb a couple hits and then finds his finds his foundation and ends up ragdolling him after that really puts some juice into the, a Saturday night crowd. And I don't know, kind of gave this team a little bit of a swagger, I felt, kind of going into this game on Tuesday. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but it was it was fun to see that kind of edge. I, I hate to do this, but I I'm going to just pause that and – I just want to finish up on something you were just saying about the Islanders. I, that was a great lead-in. It, it was the last great. Thirty-five but, seconds. But this is very important, I think, for anybody who likes hockey, including yourself, to know. And okay. I mean it. Um, when it comes to playing structures, and uh, you have teams who who value structure over individual like personnel. You rarely see long losing streaks, and you see teams not have great disparity in gameplay that goes from the regular regular season to the playoffs. System transfers to playoffs, but individual skill and whatnot does not because very often the gameplay is so much different. They allow more penalties to, 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 like, you know, those Scott Mayfield-type plays. I saw him get taken interference on Saturday. He just cracked someone away from the play because the guy was jawing at him. That's not getting called in the playoffs. And there are fewer – there's just fewer space available. So you'll have a team who win the President's Trophy, like the Florida Panthers, and they're getting shut out in multiple games because they're playing a system that is just not going to transfer well to the playoffs. So when you're talking about losing streaks – and, and teams who just randomly disappear come playoff time, one of the main reasons is because they don't have a great structure from within and they rely simply on the talent that exists on the roster. And I just say that because it is very important to know when you're watching, forget about the Islanders, any sort of hockey, when you're wondering why teams are having random sustained success for multiple years in the playoffs. Why did the Islanders lose one nothing to Tampa? Rangers lose 2-1 to Tampa. Toronto loses 2-1 to Tampa because that rigid structure in those closeout games is what they implement and they get the same results every single time. Just something that I wanted to, you know, help out people kind of understand. So do I got to do, do I have to do the whole intro now to that? No, 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 no. I'm getting better every it? year at multitasking. I, I, I believe it brought out a little something it in did, the Islanders right? that was necessary. It, it's almost many things can happen over the course of these games that can kind of light a fire almost sometimes unintentionally under a team. It's this convergence of the Isles were actually having a good third. Then that kind of really got them even more involved into the game. More emotion is always a good thing. Um, But I kind of, I obviously like how they came out in the third, but the, the flyers were losers of nine straight and then they're playing the Islanders and blew a third period lead. Right. It's, you a, it's a roster so like that, similar to the Islanders COVID roster at the moment, probably that they're putting out. It was there. an AHL roster and they didn't even have their one good player in Carter Hart starting. And they had the lead and they're a defensive team under Tortorella and blew that. And they obviously got pissed off and were venting their frustrations and probably also showing their coach that they care. And that's what, if you're a Flyers fan, you want to see that. You really do. And um, I'll 
I'll, I'll replace that. You can still hear me, right? Yep. Okay. And as far as uh, the Islander side goes, they kind of were just treating it like another game. But as that game started to grow, it was getting chippier. And I think it was good for them. It was good for them to re-experience. Haven't had that type of game. Just haven't had yeah, that type of game so because far. Because we didn't have the type of season that allowed for games to matter. So it was almost between all the shenanigans that happened last year and the way the Islanders season went, we weren't in these games with so much you know, on the line. And there hasn't been this kind of emotion surrounding the team probably since the playoffs. So th- it was good to mm-hmm. see. It was good to see. And also the players involved, right? I mean, Romanov being... Uh, the newest Islander um, known for someone who can lay a hit like that. You know, when he got, when the Islanders got traded, Islanders traded for him and you went looking and searching for highlights. You weren't going to find a lot of goals and highlight real type plays. You would find a lot of hits that really endeared him to the Montreal Canadian fan base. And we've seen that in spurts. And here was an example of that. So the way the teammates kind of come to his defense, you'd like to see. And then Rallstrom, I mean, Rallstrom just had that fight. Rasmus Sandin, he fought. In, in Toronto held his own. And then he fights again here against D'Angelo. And then we learn after the game about him taking these MMA classes with Matt Martin over the summer. And it was interesting because I heard Cal Clutterbuck give a quote and be like, oh, the guy really worked hard in the offseason. And I think he was referring directly to that. Like this was something that was important to him to develop and be ready for. And he held his own and he's done it now twice in within a week. And everyone's thinking about you know, what Oliver Wallstrom, the type of player he is and needs to be from a two-way game. I don't think anyone ever thought about this part of his game being something that he has, but I mean, we saw last year, remember the PK Subban um, item where he kind of got jumped after he took, after he gave a hit there and he kind of, you know, what's the word when you kind of be turtled up right yeah. on, in that situation. So maybe that was in his head over the going into the summer and what he needed to do, but man, great results. And that endears yourself to your teammates too. I think Thomas Hickey said it, you know, during the post game, you know, you, when you don't start the fight, but you end it, that's the type of stuff that brings a dressing room closer together and really, you know, gains the respect of, of the other teammates. So not only great to see from a team perspective, but I think really important for the two players where it happened, that it happened to. Yeah. And you know, the fact that uh, he was able to score another snipe the other night, which is good. He's actually weirdly now on pace uh, for over 20 goals. I had that? a very bold prediction. I said, the Islanders before the year, I go, and, and how about you take this one and frame it, people who think that I complain. Before the year, I said, the Islanders have six to seven 20-plus capable goal scores. It doesn't mean that they're going to score 20. It means they're capable of. And what you're seeing so far, Parisi is on pace currently for over 20. Palmieri, Pajot, Wallstrom, Nelson, Lee, all of them. All of them are on pace for over 20 goals. Is that going to change? Possibly, probably. But this is what you're looking like. I love something like that because it lets you know that if they do make the playoffs, that the same strength that previously served them well, which was having multiple lines that show up in series, that still is intact. Because the worry is, no, it's a, they, it's it's either this or they're not getting anything. They're getting production from all three lines at different times. And I really, for me, that is the absolute best to see. I don't need a 50-goal score. I don't need a 60-goal score. I need to know that the three lines can contribute because that it's such a weapon to have come uh, down the stretch in playoff time. 
All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk about a couple players that add to that depth that are really on the upswing as well in a moment. Plus, Andy's moving to Tampa. I just found this out. No, no, no. Without no. it. And uh, <laughs> Joe Bono, Andy Francis, the Eyes on Isles podcast. We'll be right back after this. We're back. Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fansided Sports Network. Joe Bono and Andy Francis with you. And right at the start, I compared your hairline to Zach Parisi because it's 37, 38 years old and, and, it, and it's looking fantastic. So looking spectacular i just watched that seinfeld episode it's real and it's spectacular and they're spectacular yeah <laughs> got into like a comedy central uh just seinfeld like couple chinese restaurant and that one was on like back to back and i was like you know what i'm not gonna watch the thanksgiving day parade i'm gonna put this on right now oh, well you know you it's wanted decision. actual entertainment so i can't blame you for that at all <laughs> And I, I, I'm sorry for ruining that that great intro oh but, such a come good on, intro this is, this i had energy i had excitement this is that's all it takes. Huh? One, and, one like, little probably, misstep, and now are you that guy? You go down one nothing in NHL, and then that's it. I don't want to play anymore. You little one little thing goes. Yeah, it's you can't say the chell. You're just making life worse. Sorry, I, I know I keep on sounding. Older I was gonna tag you in I that commercial, it. but I just didn't want to. I don't know. I didn't want to bring it back up again. All right, let's talk about Zach Parise because I can't now. I you know I you know wasn't surprised by this stat because you knew that he hasn't missed any games, but he's played now 105 consecutive games since being an Islander. And he is the age that he is. And he's been your most durable player. He's your most available player. He's your most versatile player. And this year he's actually scoring goals instead of getting a lot of great chances already seven on the year. And he's probably the biggest bargain in the NHL. And now I'm upset that they didn't sign him to a two-year contract extension last March than a one-year contract extension. Uh, this has been this has been uh, more than anyone could have expected. I'm curious to know what you said at this point last season about him, if you wanted the, the two-year deal. No, I'm saying now after seeing this happen again. Now him following up last year. And now yeah, also doing it again. The beginning of last year, people were calling for his head. Uh, I mean, listen, he was the he was fast, which the thing you were worried about was like, is this guy going to be slow? He wasn't slow. He was active. He had energy. He just wasn't scoring. Wasn't converting. Took Correct. until the twenty third yeah. of the game of the year, I think December eleventh, to score his first goal. Now they played twenty three games and he has seven. So you know the results are there. But he finished with fifteen last year. You know he kind of, I mean, like you said, you talk about twenty goal scorers. He finished with fifteen. It, his first one came you know, after the quarter mark of the year. It's why I tell you, it's why I tell you not to celebrate, um, you know, like, oh, but we got the wins. I don't care about the metrics. It's no different than seeing Zach Parisi not score in the first 50 games. Like, cause then his detractors would be like, I don't care. Not seeing the goals. Eventually it's the blackjack rule. The house, eventually the numbers are going to hit, whether it's one year or three years. Barzell's goals are going to come. Even if it's not this year, it's going to be next year. Same thing like with the Islanders play. You know, you got to clean up some of those things or else you're not always going to be on the right side of overtimes. You're not going to be on the right side of three-goal comebacks. So same type of thing with Parisi. You saw this quality play the entire time. There has not been a five-game stretch as an Islander where you ever were disappointed at him out there. We've seen stretches, people screaming at Beauvillier, Bailey, Dobson, and that was probably only me. That was you, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah? One. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- w- which defenseman has the lowest plus minus on the Islanders this year, the one that said he struggled. Deep. All right, okay. Anyway, but it's that same type of thing where he's been 
as consistent. I'm trying to think of other players who, who is, have rivaled his level of consistency. And it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to think of somebody who's been asking me, maybe somebody who you just don't notice like Scott Mayfield or someone like that, where you just know where you're getting, know what you're getting a night in night out. And I've been nothing but thoroughly impressed when you're talking about adding complimentary players to a team that you think can compete. He is the perfect guy hounding people on the four check. He's adding to the power play penalty kill, whatever they ask him to do. He has enough talent to be, to play with uh, skillful players. And he has the work ethic to play with checking line. He is the perfect kind of jackknife player of Troy Palomalu, where if you want to get him in the box or you want to use him in coverage, he can do everything on the ice. And it's great that we have him out there. Is he jackknife or is it Swiss army knife? Is it, is it the same? Yeah, I was combining, I was combining, um, Jackhammer and in a Swiss Army. No, knife? I was combining a Diesel, Kevin Nash's finish. Jackknife <laughs> was in my head. Um, yeah, Swiss Army knife. Nice. Yep. Um, yesterday, um, Stefan Rosner in NYI Hockey Now said that you know there were seventy nine players in NHL that made the league minimum. Parisi, thirty eight years old, the oldest one with that hit, and currently leads the list with games played, goals, and points. And then today, uh, Gord Miller tweeted out a stat, which kind of just, you know, just comes on top of that, saying that the lowest NHL cost per goal on non-entry level contracts, Parise, second, um, his seven goals, Islanders are paying currently $107,000 per goal. Only Velarde on the Kings has a better number. So a big bargain here, uh, given the status of the team salary cap that, Thanks to the Minnesota Wild paying him large amounts of money due to the buyout that he's totally cool with $750,000 and going maybe year to year uh, with this team. I always hate these cherry pick stats. So That's he a great two- stat. Which yeah, one was yeah. cherry pick? The first okay. one or the second one? Okay. No, Both? the cherry picking is four days ago. It doesn't apply. That's why it's cherry picking. You don't have a good game and then say, oh, well, that that I just don't like stuff like that. I just don't like where okay, he scored two in a game. Now that brings that average up four days ago. You don't care that, that he has a better I love it. per goal number than Tage Thompson? <laughs> you want to know why I don't care? <laughs> $500. I've been, I've been saying that he's been quality the whole time. It's convincing. You know who needs to see that? The people who need to see numbers. I don't need to see the numbers. I just need to see the gameplay. And he's shown the exact same play yeah. that – a couple more went in off his foot this year. Congratulations, because we know there have been a couple of those. He's got an empty netter. I don't need to see the goals to know a player's good. I don't even need him to score. It's just a bonus for me. What he's doing out there is invaluable, and it's great. And uh, you get the feeling, based on how he carried himself last year and this year and, and where he is within his career, You know, it doesn't matter if the stats didn't if they came or did not come, he was going to be the exact same player each and every time. And maybe that's the same case with Matt Barzell with goals. Um, but because of where he is in this career and where the expectations are, he's going to get those questions for Parise. It's like, look what I've accomplished. I have 400 plus goals in my NHL career, you know, maybe borderline, well, you know, maybe a little bit shy of a hall of famer, but all-star type player. Um, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to just go out there and do my thing and it's either great. It's going to come or it's not. When Parise re-signed, that was the tip of the cap to me that the Islanders were going to be able to compete this year because he signed on a one-year deal thinking, exactly, yeah, he wanted to compete for a championship. Right. The Islanders made back-to-back conference finals. That's and then point. the fact the season went the way it did, and he could have easily went 
and signed another minimum deal. Yeah, he could have used that. He could easily to go, go to else. Toronto, yeah. a team that and just sign for the minimum and play with a team who's right there, ready to contend. Add himself to Carolina or something like that on a minimum, rather than you know Stastny or whoever they ended up getting. But he didn't. I, he chose, despite the year, he decided to stay. Which, and then I, I know people like ridicule. Have it you at the made time. this point before? Or is this did this just come up? This just come to you this point. All this stuff is always there. It's always there. I, I don't understand. I'm just saying. Have you vocalized that particular point before, in one way or the other? Or this is the first time you've you've actually said that one aloud. Because I think it's that's a great point. Uh, well, you hang around what, me. What you hang around me see? long enough, you're going to get a whole hell of a lot. More okay, I'm just seeing. I don't know if this one was one that came out last March and in April, or this was. Hey, listen, I'm putting the I'm putting the dots together right now. He must have seen a lot, culture wise, talent wise, etc., and say, you know what? I'll come back for another seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in one year because this team can compete. And and not just that, all the other deals that you saw too. Like nobody nobody started looking at the exit for you know, greener pastures, despite it being such a down year. So that made me think like these people really want to be here. They really do. And I, I said, it would be unwise to give everybody a shot between Pajot dealing with, you know, post-surgery first half of the year. It was just all those things combined to signal to me that they were going to really give it a go this year, which is why I was so disappointed in the beginning, the very beginning. I, I couldn't fathom that, why they came out so flat because all the signs to me were, Oh, they're going to come out like a rocket this year. And they didn't. And it was the one time I was fully perplexed. I was perplexed, but it's an 81 time season, you know, the one time you were perplexed. Uh, When it, when it came to discussing this team, I mean, we all know uh, (laughs) what my track record was on the predictions. Okay. So it's all on video, ladies and gents. So one more player I want to talk about, and then I want to talk about this uh, this Tampa move here uh, before we wrap up. So uh, JG Paggio, another type of player that, listen, when he's not scoring goals, you talk to the teammates, you talk to the coaching staff, they're going to put him out there in every uh, type of position possible. They're going to trust him with the game on the line. They're going to put him against the opposing team's best players. And you know what? He scored those two goals against Edmonton, a shorthanded goal and a power play goal. I got some great stats on that one if you want to know the last time that happened, but it didn't seem like you'd be interested in that kind of information. So I'll leave that to the side. Well, go um, give but, it to there's people out there who who love that kind of the stump the schwab type people. The last person to do it? Well, they they want to know. Uh, Zach Crazy Schwa- last year. So you gotta you gotta tell them this stuff. Don't cater to me, cater to your audience. <laughs> I like the numbers. The skinny by Eric Hornick is a must read for me every morning. Just say I might refresh the site around 1230 in the morning just to see if it's actually been there yet. But he's got to get home from the game. He's got to do some other stuff. Uh, I like the numbers. Ryan Pulak, four assists. How many times has it happened in Islander history? I'm in. I'm into that stuff. Wow. Um, I couldn't be less into that stuff. Really? That yes. Dennis Potvin did it seven times. Yeah. Once you start getting to legitimate <laughs> stat, when you're talking about the Islanders, well, you're talking about two different eras where you could risk, I know, but just take a wrist shot from the blue years line. Years of Islander hockey, I like in. that stuff. Uh, legitimate ones, but I don't like ones that. I understand. I listen. Yeah. I understand why you don't like the Parisi. How much? Well, what's is, the significance? He scores two goals, and now all of a sudden he's one hundred and seven thousand dollars per cause per goal game. I, I got you. I got yeah. You. But the Pajot point I wanted to make is that the. Uh, package going into the next game against uh, Columbus and they featured Pajot and they didn't show the goals. They showed him harassing Connor McDavid over the course of the game. And you were like, wow, 
that guy is the annoying player that I love that the Islanders were acquiring and re-upped it. And that's the type of player that wins you games, like you said, when it matters come postseason, but also someone that showed the ability to score 20 plus goals. And when, when it's clicking like this and he's scoring goals and doing all the other stuff, man, this is when this team is most dangerous. I made this point. Uh, these people, you know, they're just orcs from Lord of the Rings. And I put up the Islanders third and fourth line saying, complimenting them saying show me other third i retweeted that one yeah and just the mindless gargoyles their first <laughs> response was the first response was oh yeah why don't you put the top the first line and second yeah. line yeah the point what i was trying to make was when you're when you're asking for like people on the third line you're being overly critical what you are getting in the first place is above and beyond we have three third line players on pace for over 20 goals each right now at the moment. So explain to me how that like you should be beyond ecstatic for something like that. And Pajot, when people were having the audacity to claim that Nazim Kadri would be a better third center on the Islanders. So to add three offensive centers to the team and get rid of the guy who you'd be putting out there against a Barkov and other major centers that you'd be playing, a Braden Point, somebody that will be harassing them and then will be able to chip in on offense, which we've seen in playoff series in the past. There are very, very, very few players in the league who can do that. That's why they traded him. When they were building this defensive team and adding to it, he was the perfect guy. You have two great centers in Barzal, and, and uh, Nelson contributing offensively. The perfect complement to that is a shutdown guy who can actually sometimes assist on offense, as you're seeing this year. Yeah, and, and play, play the, and, power play play, the power play. And play the mm -hmm. penalty kill and has speed. And now, especially since we're not under the Trotz's system and it, it, we are a little bit more exposed on the back end, somebody like that is even more crucial to the team's success. And... Sometimes, yeah, someone who just sits in his DNA to do that, not necessarily structure driven. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, like the people looking for stats to justify his position on the Islanders. I mean, you, you really should be looking elsewhere. You should be looking at the opposing center stats, their star stats, and, and how they were doing five on five, not on the power play. And if he's nullifying those guys, you have such a major advantage in these games. Just like I told you, part of the reason I love the Isles, three lines of success and then even four come playoff time because of the way it goes – other teams who are limited to one line, one and a half lines, when you have a shutdown line, and I'm not saying the Islanders do, but when the shutdown pairing is going as well as it can, and then you have the Pajot line winning face-offs and making life hard for them, and you have last change at home, it's a major, 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 major advantage. So let's wrap things up with this move you dropped on me uh, right before we started recording that you are um... – you're you're heading. You're abandoning uh, the New York tri-state no, area and moving is, moving to Tampa. Put this, this is, right is in your Parisi headlines. Where no, so my brother he he plays hockey and he goes uh, and he's he's studying uh, in Tampa. And I went there. I was working remotely. I went there last winter to give it like a test drive. So I got a place with him for a year. It's more so I'm giving it a test drive. So, you know, so it was a winter of, test drive and now you're going to do the all season, the test year drive. test drive. And, you know, it did fail one of the tests. And that is, I mm. cannot take that summer heat. I, I, I just cannot. And Tampa is not even like Miami. It's not as far south as, you know, you can get in Florida. So, so you that, should, that, it sounds like struggle. you want to be a snowbird, though. 
like that's my dream in uh, 20, 25 years, have my uh, place up here in the Northeast, uh, spend the spend the summers here, uh, go to the shores, go to the beaches, et cetera. And then the winter, you know, live down I'm more in flexible. I'm more flexible. I'm more malleable than that. If the right if the right opportunity came along, I'd go to Arizona in a couple of weeks, you know, but, but right now I'm giving Tampa a shot because it did a great job with me. Uh, last did a great job. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's, it's what I believe. Yeah. I believe in the country, Tampa is like top two or three in the whole country in property value going up because of how much stuff is coming, going there, how many new places are opening. It's great, man. It's got like a, it's got a downtown it's oh, uh, cool... was it uh, Ibar City, right? Oh, is no, that that, that, oh, that's like the scumbag part. Oh, that's where I've been. <laughs> well, <figures. laughs> like so let me guess. You 21. went there. You went there in your Thanksgiving Eve days. Uh, I went down. So in 2003, I um, when I was working at WFUV when I was at Fordham University, um, you know, when you I was a sophomore, I think. So you were you were credentialed to cover the professional sports teams there, and we went to our executive producer and said, "Hey, can we?" go to spring training and cover the Mets and Yankees. And he said, if you can find your way there, we'll get you credential to do interviews and stuff. So that was my, my first big assignments of me and oh, two nice. other guys drove to there. I had family that lived in Spring Hill, Florida. It's about an hour, hour and a half outside of Tampa. And my spring break was covering the Yankees at legends field and going over to Port St. Lonely as they call it and watching the Mets for a couple of days. And that, and my cousin Frankie lived down there and he brought me to the scumbag place that you're calling well, uh, Ybor city 20 was, years it, ago. It's I know really, what it looks like now. It, so when my brother started school there, he said it was night and day different than even two years after that, there was just a massive way, everything from Tom Brady going there to all like the businesses and then everything that happened with like the pandemic and Florida blowing yeah, up and of course. People, mm-hmm. so many people going there and it, it just really is nice like they have pro sports teams but it's not this huge city it's a place where you can you know just jog around feel comfortable no and, i'm sure it is you know, I, I listen it, I, I it totally did a great job it. like i said and uh, so every time it- i uh, when i get my oil bill again next month i'll, I'll probably uh, even agree even even more so uh with you so <laughs> yeah well good luck yeah. You and, and your brother, you guys a... will you guys will be good roommates. There's no problem there. No competition. No, no. no, I gotta keep a close eye on those lightning too. Make sure they don't end up screwing us again. <laughs> and uh, your, your brother have a similar type of head of hair, or um, is it? Oh, he's got a skip? fresh head of hair. Same thing. Fresh okay. head. Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, watch out, Tampa. The uh, the Francis boys will will be out in Ebor <laughs> oh, <no>. City <laughs> <laughs> at night after those playoff games in the spring. Uh, he's good. He's good. He's uh, like he's applying to like uh, different kind of medical schools and stuff All like right. that. So, so you're gonna, his, you're gonna shepherd his heads him. You're, in gonna, the books. you're gonna show him show him the way. I'll I'll do the best. I don't know if you want me leading you anywhere. You'll have a spot to do this though. You're gonna have like a like a little mini studio spot picked out where you can. What do you uh, mean? Get some oh, you already did this with me, and I was in Tampa. I didn't even know. Well, the virtual background threw me off. I thought you were. Was the, I've never had a Murray virtual Hill background. Or you saw a real background. There was never. I didn't a realize that was Tampa. Background. Yeah. So if I'm here, this is my studio and I'm in both places. Don't act like I, I, I've uh, run away. This is my spot in New York. Now we'll see. We'll see and, what the primary residence is come tax time. You know, we'll, we'll see what the, what the truth is. So well, you know what it is Yeah. <laughs> where you live more than half the year, which is Tampa so Bay. I, my friend. <laughs> you like those free agents. I got think I got taken into consideration the state income tax. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Nick, I'm Nick Paul staying in Tampa. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, that will do it for this episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Islanders country for Andy Francis. I am Joe Bono. See you next time. Good night.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.